0: College admissions and transitions can be overwhelming. SATs, AP classes, resumes, financial aid, and the list goes on. We as parents and counselors are here to help our teenagers make sense of it all and empower them to make good decisions. If you want to see your child succeed in that transition, which we all do, it comes down to helping them accept who they are. That's why we created Self-Accepted, guiding families through college admissions and big transitions. This bi-monthly podcast will answer the questions that we hear parents asking all the time. So you'll be prepared to send your child into their bright future. Hi, I'm Dr. Beth Denard. My students and their families call me Yoda Beth. Not because I've trained Jedi for 800 years, but something pretty close. For the last 40 years, I've helped families prepare and transition their students successfully into adulthood. A pretty comparable feat, don't you agree? I'm the owner and director of Bright Futures Consulting, a U.S. Air Force veteran, former college admissions counselor, mentor, mom, and grandmother. I'm excited to share what I know with you, both from my formal education and the School of Hard Knocks. I want to lead you away from misleading information and the college frenzy and closer to having answers that move your teenager forward towards their bright future. Let's get into it. I'm back with Jana Haney. If you haven't listened to part one, do that right now. Let's get right back into the conversation. So another tip that we tell parents is to be specific in their divorce decree. So some of our best clients are divorced parents who thought ahead and got everything in writing. So there's no room for confusion or miscommunication. And a student-centered written document and civil contractual divorce decree can limit conflict and create harmony. And a friend of mine is an attorney, a divorce attorney, and he said more and more divorces are sort of like, go on Legal Zoom, do it yourself, DIY uh, divorce, I guess. And so these are details that the DIY methodology doesn't include. They're, they're extremely sensitive, they're financial, they're details that the, only the family can really hammer out and come to an agreement with. So they might require an attorney, and it will be well worth whatever you're going to pay the attorney to get this done before the student is applying to college. So it's all clear. And the ambiguity is also what sets up a lot of conflict, is it's not hammered out. So it's like there's fear because we just don't know. It's the unknowns. Too many unknowns <laughs> creates a lot of problems. So if you've moved past that uh, and you don't have an agreement, maybe Hammer out a written agreement now. I mean, there's nothing wrong. It doesn't have to be signed by an attorney. It has to be signed by both of you, the two parties, the three parties involved, student included. But identify who pays for what and when, and what do both parents want to accomplish together for their child.
1: Beth, I hear a lot of families say they don't want their students to worry about money, but the truth is there's always been conflict about money. It's a sensitivity they've grown up with, whether you intended for that or not.
0: Exactly. If there's a concern about budget, then have your student start small by attending a community college in district, which is a very inexpensive way to start uh, accumulating college credits. I mean, you'll only get an associate's degree from most community colleges, so you'll have to transfer to a four-year. But uh, even earlier than that, if if you suspect money problems and a lot of conflict around paying for college, the student can already start taking dual credit classes when they're in high school, advanced placement classes, which can also be um, leveraged to earn actual college credit when they enroll in a, in a two-year or four-year college. And then they can transfer to an in-state public university, which is a very uh, smart way to budget and, and be financially sound. And, and so the student can also graduate without debt. Um, so my first ever client uh, was probably the smartest person I've ever met. He was yeah. absolutely brilliant. He lived with his mom and his brother. His mom was single, and she had literally $200 in the bank. Um, she, was a, she worked for a, a local uh, government, and she was like a secretary. She got paid very little. But the dad made, made pretty good money, remarried. And even though he was out of the picture, he made it very clear to his son that he wouldn't pay a penny for his college. And in fact, he told him just attend the, the local community college, because that's where he really needed to go. Well, like I said, everything depends on the student. In this student's case, that advice was very unwise and very harsh. Um, Community colleges, I started at a community college, and today I have a doctorate. So it doesn't really matter where you start. I'm very much in favor of community colleges for many reasons. But for this highly gifted student, it was not a good fit. And it would have been an extremely bad fit. So eventually, the student was admitted to two Ivy League colleges, and the one that he chose to attend gave him five years, mm. all expenses paid. Mm. So he got an amazing education for free. Mm. And you know, I, I laugh when I think about his father telling him, well, you know, a community college would be just fine. Mm-hmm. A community college would have cost him more than the elite education that he received. So we also bring up um, paid employment, that students work um, for high school days as well as college days, a part-time job is a really good way to encourage that independent students like having their own money. They really do. And it teaches them about money and how to save it, how to spend it, and how to make it work for them. But you're right that there's like almost like an elephant in the room in the sense of the relationship people have with money that goes back to their family of origin. And it could be a very positive relationship or extremely toxic relationship. So talking about money, empowering the student to make their own choices, I always recommend take the Dave Ramsey Financial Peace class, which is an amazing class about the relationship people have with money. So in every podcast we do, I always bring up um, in some way, shape, or form, the, the advice that a student really needs to earn their own money in some way. Former fashion and maybe should even have a stake in paying for some aspect of their college education. So even if it's incidentals, this empowers a student and gives them choices and teaches them about money. So, you know, it also addresses what Jane said earlier about becoming independent. Like I said, I grew up in a blended family and worked throughout high school and I worked all, all, all the years I was in college and it, it only helped me manage my time better and I got to meet many of the people I worked for, my employers became my mentors. So it was a super powerful, positive experience. So parents, just decide on a budget um, for each of the members, the adults involved should all decide what they can contribute to the the college fund, so to speak, the college kitty. So what can mom do? What can dad do? What can the student contribute? This is a very fair and adult conversation to have with your student and then come to the table and join the budgets together. So we've worked with so many different situations. Oftentimes we recommend the parent who makes less should be the one that files for financial aid on the federal financial aid um, formula. It's more favorable for the student's parent if they're shared custody, that parent can file for the FAFSA and then the parent who might make a little bit more can agree to pay. Uh, whatever is not covered in the financial aid, the need-based financial aid. So if income is split down the middle, split the roles. There's a lot of moving parts, tuition, housing, living expenses, Greek life as students join Greek life, so it can be expensive. The bottom line is to have and stick to a budget.
1: So uh, we had four children in our family and um... I know that, uh, you know, one of the big differentials for families often is in-state versus out-of-state tuition. And, um, you know, um, um, our children, their father and I had a little bit of a different viewpoint about that. Um, But one of the things that I felt was was that if our children were going to go out of state to school, that I wanted them to have more of a stake in it because it was going to be more expensive. And so kind of, uh, you know, in talking with both of our daughters, one of the things that I just said to them was, look, if you're going to go out of state to school, it's going to be more expensive. And so you need to make sure that in high school, you're keeping your grades up and you get some sort of scholarship. So we're not paying the full freight. If you go out of state, if you're going to go in state, it's not as big of a deal for me as it is if you go out of state. So that was just kind of the understanding that I had with both of our daughters, and that and that worked well for us, um, and and they were able to do that. So I also think that your you know the grades are part of the ownership and the stake with students, and so if you've got a student that wants to go out of state to college. Or if they wanna to go to an in state college that's very expensive, like a private school in state, that, you know, you may want to have a conversation with them as a freshman or a sophomore in high school around what your expectations are. Because part of their stake is also their grade. So <laughs> uh, you know, if they're gonna if they're gonna keep up the scholarship, they have to keep up their grades in, 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 in college. So part of part of your part of their stake and the ownership is are their grades. So yeah, you touch, it, you know, you're sharing your own story of your own children, your own
0: daughters, and the the boundaries that you gave them about um, location and costs, which are all important, and it it just, I think I'm just going to share my story right now, because, you know, mine is touching on many of the points we're making in this podcast, and I think, and it is very personal, and it was, uh, first of all, I had to speak up, I was the, uh, it's hard to believe I was not speaking up in those days, but I, I just felt there was a lot of conflict between my husband and his ex, and um, and there was, no, there was no communication about it. And then the daughter, his daughter, was stuck in the middle, and actually her best interests were not being served, and that's when I spoke up and I just said, you know, the plan that you guys have set up is a plan for failure. It is, it's not that she's gonna fail, your plan is going to fail, and it's going to fail her. And I don't think that's what you want, nor do I think that's really what's in your heart. Let's just put her in the center of everything. And when you mention grades, so um, I don't know if her mom was having her lie or if she just didn't want to really tell us what her grades were in high school, but we were getting reports that it's A's, it's A's, it's B's, occasional B. But the truth is I think there was, there were mostly C's and some D's. And there were no A's and B's. And then her test scores were really not strong either. So um, the program, she applied to one college, got admitted to their summer provisional. The college is across the entire state of Texas away from us. She was living at that time abroad. So, she, you know, we didn't see her that much. And when we did, it was great. But then she's coming to the US, reintegrating into the US teenage culture. Um, and being sent to West Texas, which, yikes. I could just see, oh my gosh, this is not gonna be very healthy for her and for our family. So I said, hey, you know, there's a little bit of time when you bring her to Texas for college. Can we just do a drive around and look at some college campuses, look at some options? There's so so many colleges in Texas that would be closer to us where we can reach out. She can come visit us on weekends. We would develop a better relationship with her. And she already just had a great relationship with her dad and with her her half-sister, super close already, uh, all, all three of them. I was sort of the quiet, sort of the unspoken, quiet third party that wasn't speaking up. So, you know, I really want to encourage people who care about the children to speak up. If, if no one else is having a, a voice or an advocacy for that child, speak up and you'll be sorry if you don't. As it turned out, All parties involved were very amenable to the, we call it the the big tour of Texas colleges because we literally got in cars, caravaned around Texas, looking for her to find a place where she felt she belonged. And she did. Hmm. And uh, she settled on one college. Uh, It was actually Navarro College in Corsicana. She thrived there, met great friends that she's still friends with today, succeeded, at this two-year residential college. So she was on her own. It wasn't a commuter school. It was residential, had a football team, cheerleaders, and apparently there's even a show uh, about uh, Navarro College. But uh, anyway, she was very successful there, went on and transferred to a four-year public university in Texas. We were able to stay really involved in her life. And, you know, I feel like that example, even though it's kind of hard for me to talk about it because it was very filled with conflict and emotion, When we all decided to focus on her best interest and her success, everything shifted. Everything shifted. So I really want to encourage uh, families to focus on the student and to not childize them. They are an emerging adult. They are smarter than you think. They're more capable than you think. Let them have a voice in this, and let them have the biggest voice in this. So it wouldn't be an episode of self-accepted if we didn't talk about the Berkman assessment. So part of reducing the conflict and keeping the focus on the student is for you and your co-parent to understand your student's needs. The reason why we really use the Berkman and not Myers-Briggs or DISC or something else is that the Berkman has a very strong uh, sense and it measures a a person's needs. I mean, it really spells it out. So that if you're wondering what your student needs to be happy, successful, living in their strength, the Berkman really makes it clear in black and white. It's like, this is what they need. And it also helps mitigate some of the arguments when you keep bringing it back to, but this is what your student needs. And, you know, it's there. It's black and white. It's data. You know, if if nothing else, people (laughs) love data these days. And it just reminds people that we're not, it's not about parent A. It's not about parent B. It's not even about parent C and D. It's about the student. And it brings everybody back to the table to focus on the student. And sometimes the student doesn't like that spotlight, but we say, well, that's what this is all about. So we help
1: them get more and
0: more comfortable with being the center of attention in that way, in a healthy way.
1: Well, you're right, Beth. It's so important to take into the account the personality of your teenager. I mean, if you know your teenager gets anxious or stressed in particular situations, then you can support them in doing in developing good coping skills. And you know, if they have not uh, done so, this is the time right, before they go off to college to figure out what they need to start doing now to develop those coping skills. and there's lots of things they can be doing. And you as parents are not always going to agree on everything. That's okay. You need to take ownership of the decisions that you make. And, you know, it's also okay in the middle of making a decision that's not all that great to stop and say, you know what, I think I'm not doing all that great here. I'm going to stop. I apologize. I'm going to, you know, as I say, back up the truck, right? So it's also okay to to own sometimes when you're doing something that maybe is not all that great. A lot of times parents get very big on, well, you know, I need to be... Um, uh, focused on, you know, being solid. Well, when you start emerging into that adult-adult relationship with your child, it's okay to start saying, you know, I think I was wrong when I did that. Or I think I need to put a pause on this particular way I've been thinking about this. I think I need to make a shift. Because uh, some parents feel gosh that makes me sound like I'm wimpy but really your child will appreciate this is that flexibility Mm -hmm. piece and they'll appreciate your willingness to take a step back look at it differently and be more flexible with them because that is modeling that's modeling what we actually do in real life uh you know that's modeling maturity to be able to take it take make a shift or apologize and do it differently um and when we run into problems um Um, is when your teenagers haven't or don't have have ownership of their lives and we talked about grades Um, you know when you when you are the one that tells your teenager where they're going to go to college they don't have ownership of that experience so Mm -hmm. the likelihood of them going and making good grades I think is going to be a lot less the likelihood of them going and really enjoying that college experience is going to be a lot less So if you're wanting your child to succeed in college, you're wanting them to be happy, you're wanting them to really make the most of it, it's really in your best interest for them to go to a place where they want to go, to major in a major where they want to (laughs) major. If I can say that three times in a sentence. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and really try to encourage and honor who they are and what's important to them. And, you know, this is that, you know, if you've got a child that loves art Mm
0: -hmm. and you're an
1: accountant, you know, as much as it makes you crazy and you want to tell them, well, you shouldn't be doing that. You need to major in a, in business. The world is full of general business majors. And most of the time they get out of college and they end up going back to what they love oftentimes anyway, or they end up in a career that is not for them. So mm-hmm. I think that that's one of the great ways that the Berkman probably really helps yes. uh, to serve them. So telling them what you want to pursue, telling them where you want to go just does not help them at all. And I think that's really how the Berkman really can perhaps give everyone maybe some new ideas or some ways to take some of those skills that they have that perhaps the parent doesn't understand and perhaps give them some new ideas for how they can take some of those things that they love and, um, and um, perhaps put them in a new perspective for both the child and the parents. Would you say that's correct?
0: Yeah, I, I think that's how... We use the Berkman absolutely, and there might be some parents listening who are, maybe they've even tuned out because they're like, "We're not the controlling parent. <laughs> we're, we've actually turned this whole thing over to our student, and you know, we've we've told them, you know, we've we've asked them, well, what do you want to do after high school? We're we're giving them carte blanche. Do whatever you want to do. You know, we're we're having those conversations where we're saying, you don't know what you want to do, but it's, it really is up to you, and that can also be unhelpful because it might be too much responsibility on the student at that time in their life where you know having the berkman working with a consultant can give them real resources at a time where they need that they're shifting from having everything served up on a platter in high school where they're very scheduled in fact maybe overscheduled everything is known predictable safe to they're going from literally playing checkers to playing chess And so we really want them to have a gradual immersion into adulthood and not just like, well, whatever you do is fine with me. Um, Just go figure it out. That can be a a showstopper. I mean, and it's coming from a good place. The parent wants them to just emerge, fly away, have a great life. But it's not that helpful. Um, Something that you and I probably learned in our training as therapists was this. It's sort of a secret weapon that I've used when I get stuck uh, as a therapist, and that is you know, um, the power of not knowing, <laughs> <laughs> playing stupid, uh, when we know exactly what's going on and we just pretend like we don't because it shifts the power differential to the person that's the identified patient or the, the person that's paying us, right? When they're saying, you know, figure this out for me, we're like, well, well we don't know. And I feel like there's a nice way of doing it and an, a nice way of doing it where we say, you know, one way it feels like you're dumping you got to figure this out, you know, even though you're paying me, you're figuring it. Or you say, you know, this is really so important for your identity, your future happiness. So much is going to depend on your choices after high school that we want to support you, but we can't do it for you. And it would be putting you back in the womb, so to speak, if we were going to do all this heavy lifting for you. And it is a lot of work for them. And some, you know, students just don't want to do it. And uh, they might need more time because they maybe are immature or they haven't really thought about it or just want to keep procrastinating. You know, Scarlett O'Hara, tomorrow is another day. I'll think about it tomorrow. (laughs) You know, and and that doesn't really work. It eventually, eventually you have to grow up. Um, So it's, it's important to use the Berkman, to keep bringing them back to who they are, to encourage them, empower them, believe in them. Like there is something in your heart that you need to do to have a happy life. What is it? listen, listen to that voice, it'll tell you, you'll know.
1: Well, I think you have to kind of constantly remind yourself as a parent to, and I'm sure that um, this is part, this is part of what you're doing, um, is you're helping them understand it's that, it's a process, right? And it's, 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 it's almost reminds you of that story of the caterpillar and the butterfly. And you know, it's that whole thing around how we so, you know, parents get so anxious, about this process right they hate to see their kids struggle they're always trying to help their you know direct their child or they are you know completely hands-off and the goal is you know you want to be a net right you want to be there you want to be the net but you want your child to be the one doing it, you know doing the the heavy lifting but that heavy lifting stuff is hard and there's always these times we want to kind of step in and take over or step in and tell them what to do and, and and that's why you and your team are so invaluable, because you understand that this process of struggling and figuring things out that your student has to go through is the process. And, you know, with the caterpillar and the butterfly, it's the whole thing around if you get in there too early and you try to help the caterpillar <laughs> open up, then what happens? The caterpillar doesn't have the wings aren't strong enough. And they can't fly right and so part of the struggle part maybe your student misses some deadlines right maybe you 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 beth you and your team have given the student homework and maybe they didn't write their uh, essay on time right and the parents freaking out my student didn't write their essay on time what's going to happen and you're like well your student has to learn to do that so we'll just have to submit it late or we'll have to keep working with them or they'll have to take the ACT in a month instead of this month right and so the point is is that you understand this process and part of how you and your team really guide and lead lead the parents and the student is helping them understand that
0: oh yeah and fortunately we do uh, stay connected with our families and then they refer other families to us and it might feel really uncomfortable like that you know, that pupa or the, mm-hmm. the, the caterpillar emerging. I We watched that this spring. You know, we were all quarantined at home. So <laughs> my grandkids, we put some pupa in, you know, a jar with the leaves and all that. And we watched. And it was hard. It's so hard to watch that struggle. Um, you do want to reach in and help them in some way. And and you can't. Mm-hmm. It has to be that way. And so I want to encourage parents um, you know, this is tough. This is the toughest part of parenting, but the most rewarding. When you see the butterfly emerge, it's it's a mixture of sadness and overjoy because nothing else will make you more proud than seeing your student become an adult. So as a blended family, you know, the college process is even more challenging. That just kind of sums up the whole podcast. Your student may be worried about choosing a major that pleases mom or dad. Um, it may be that your student is worried about keeping peace and harmony, and there just is going to be too much conflict. It's it's really for, I, I guess, finding balance. And I love your idea of the flexible thinking that you started the podcast talking about. But there has to be a lot of flexible thinking and get rid of, kick the either or out the door. Hey, that rhymes. You know, <laughs> kick the either or out the door. Go with a more flexible approach. Uh, talk less, listen more. Um, So, do you want to talk about that?
1: Well, I mean, I think that that is what we've really been kind of talking about the whole time is just allowing, is thinking in terms of kind of moderation. You know, we also talk about, um, you know, moderate behaviors, right? You know, and and also checking yourself, uh, being responsible for yourself in this process, right? Mm -hmm. Whenever you start trying to do something for the benefit of your child. Or you start trying to think your ex is doing something. Why don't you just check yourself? Uh, what, are, what you know? What's going on with you? Where, where's your fear coming from? It, it, your anxiety, and 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 you know, this is another thing we also teach our teenagers is checking yourself because mm-hmm. this is also part of this maturity process. What's going on with me? What do I need to do to take care of myself? And then that moderate behavior piece is another thing. And these are both. These are all things that reduce conflict and build resilience both for children, for teenagers, and for parents. Mm. And when we can do that, then we are avoiding that great divide of this all or nothing piece. We talked about allowing your student to stand up to you, giving them a chance to practice saying no. We want our students, and I can't say this enough, we don't want our students to be compliant. We want our students to be able to say no to us and say no to other people because we need for them to stand for things we want them to have passion about things we want them to feel strongly about things even things that we don't necessarily agree with Um, and that also would include things like politics which of course is a really big deal in and of itself Uh, we want uh, you know we want we want to accept what our child says at face value even if we don't agree with it because they're gonna have to figure it out and um, and we need to be respectful of what they say to us once again mm-hmm. even if we don't agree with it because my experience has taught me both in my own step family life and with all of the clients that I've worked with that when we when we decide that whatever someone says that it's not really what they're saying, it's what someone else is saying for them, that that feels very disrespectful to that person. And even if it's true, it does not help, and it feels very insulting to them. And you will always end up being the bad guy. Parents often have adjustment issues when their teenagers go off to college. Mm. And um, these adjustment issues for both parents and new students are really a big deal. Mm-hmm. For parents, you know, it goes everything from they call them every day, they think, well, our, my child has a phone, so I should expect a call every day, we should be texting all the time. And there are certainly a lot of parents and college students that perpetuate this idea and belief. Um, I myself don't think that it's really a very good idea to do that. Um, just because my child has a phone, I really want them to be developing their life. You know, the next stage of a child's life after college is a single life, is they're going to have to go to a, a new town and develop their own individual life. So college is the first place where they practice that. So you need them to move into their college life and immerse themselves. They cannot immerse themselves in their college life if you are, if you as a parent are dragging them back into your life. Mm. So the really the goal here is for both of you to plan that. So what that means as a parent is that you want to not plan to talk to your child every day. Certainly when, they're, when you take your kid to school, you want to say goodbye, you want to tell them you love them or I'll see you soon and you want to maybe plan the next time you're going to see them. You might also plan one day a week when you talk to them or when they're going to check in with you. Um, And um, you know, um, so they have some some appropriate expectations, um, but you don't really want to be texting with them every day or talking with them every day or have that expectation. And you want to let them know that. Your child needs to be meeting new friends, going to do things. Uh, You don't want to be having a curfew for your child at college. That would be another thing. You might want to even start talking about when they come home the first time. Um, you know, when a child is coming back from college, they're no longer used to having someone overlooking them. Um, what we did with our children when they come back from college is we don't have a curfew for them, but we do talk about when they're going to be coming in. And we talk about what's okay in our home because they are going to be living in our home when they are home for for a break or something Um, but uh, we don't tell them they have to be in at 11 p.m. because that would not be okay. So there are all these kinds (laughs) of things that we get into Uh, but parents need to have realistic and appropriate expectations about things like that but uh, and when when a child goes off to school especially if you've got a kid that's got anxiety issues or they're going to be going far away from school so if a child's going to a and or something like that, you know, the other thing is you don't want them coming home every weekend. So one of the other things that I see, so I went from out of state to a Texas school, and one of the things that I saw was every weekend about half the college campus cleared out. As an out of state student, that was kind of a bummer for me, but it was also a bummer for them because they did not really enjoy the college experience if they were going home every weekend. So uh, another thing that I tell students is to what I I suggest they do is the first few weeks on the college campus to go and um, go into the counseling office and to try to connect with a counselor. And what I say to them is you're probably not going to have any trouble initially, you're probably going to be feeling pretty good. And that's great. The goal here is not to get into counseling. The goal is to meet and know some of the people at the counseling office, and the goal and the reason why is so that when you do have a problem, and you will in college, that you um, have an acquaintance in the counseling office that you feel comfortable with, mm-hmm. so that you don't have to start from ground zero, and you'll be more likely to ask for help sooner rather than later. Another thing I tell um, young people, and then I also told all of our children, was go meet all of your professors in their office hours, because a lot of kids don't do that, and that Mm -hmm. is like one of the big things that if you will take the initiative to do that, that will actually help you a lot when it comes to, once again, when you need help. So asking for help and Mm -hmm. being able to make some connections on the early side when you're when you first go to school, and even though you're anxious and nervous, you've got some energy to do those things, actually helps you a lot when yeah. you run into trouble. You know, and I can
0: see the value of your work throughout the whole lifespan of the new normal after there's a divorce or a death, and there's a single parent or a blended family outcome. I can see the value of your work, Jaina, because, you know, so the college transition is fraught with a lot of uh, challenges, but then there's going to be probably a wedding down the road and the x and the this and the that you know so you know working with these families to get them accepting a new normal to have flexible thinking to have grace to have respect um and to own your own to check yourself those are great ideas um and starting new traditions you know it may not be you know i love the movies now about weddings that include Mm -hmm. the awkward moments right because And there are the movies about college going that have the awkward moments. And and they're funny when you see them on the screen played out, but they're not funny when it's your own family. And you're right. There will be challenges. If people are working with you or me, they are already comfortable working with a counselor. So warming them up to meeting a counselor in college, in their college setting, is a really good idea. Start new traditions. You know, have... Have be brainstorming about it. Have creative ideas about how the holidays are, are looking. We're getting ready to start uh, the Thanksgiving celebration this weekend, and then you know after that we'll have the winter holidays, Christmas, Hanukkah, and so on. So, you know it's also okay to grieve the the concept in your mind of how it should look, or how you thought it was going to look with the original family. The child will be grieving it. Because they might even be bummed because maybe their roommate in college has a very traditional family and theirs is more of a non traditional family. So they've gotten, oh gosh, yeah, I really wish I still had that traditional family. It's not that way. So there's gonna be a little bit of grief, a little bit of sadness, maybe a lot of it, and maybe some blaming when they come home, like, wow, my roommate has this perfect family and we have this messed up family or whatever it is, you know? Um, and parents, you know, get ready for maybe some difficult conversations. Around different kinds of families and values. But I always say, you know, just just love each other. And the more people can just think about other people and not be so concerned about themselves um, and plan for these things. They're coming. The holidays are here. Um, I love your idea about no curfew. Just be respectful. Let us know where you are. We're, we love you. We love you. Um, so... One thing that you can think about if you have a family that has challenges is get the student to imagine their parents married and and have them like even imagine why their parents got married in the first place. You know, there must have been something there. They must have loved each other. They created you. It's just a sweet image to carry around in their hearts. Uh, but the reality is. There's other players in the family now. There's step-parents, step-siblings, multiple sets of grandparents, aunts, uncles. So, Jane, I know you do a whole workshop on starting new traditions that are rooted in love. Can you just talk briefly? Because we're getting ready to wrap the pro... (laughs) We're getting ready to wrap the podcast,
1: When we make new friends, we don't have to get rid of old friends. And so, as we move through our lives, we can add new people in. And the same with traditions. And the thing about traditions is they carry emotional memories with them. And oftentimes it's the small things that make the big things, right? And so <clears throat> um, it's just very important to remember that there's lots of really wonderful ways that you can create new traditions with your child. And the really wonderful thing about your child becoming an adult is is that for many divorced parents that what they, what, what they really wanna remember is that they, they're they not going to be parents with their child until they're 18. They're going to be parents with their child for the rest of their lives. And they have a whole other time period in which to develop a new kind of relationship with their child. And they can honor their child. They can become a different kind of parent for their child as an adult. And this often holds a whole host of other new kinds of memories and traditions. And so to not be afraid of that and to look forward to that And it's normal to both grieve and then to also celebrate and to have certainly a lot of emotions at one time.
0: Mm. Yeah. How you navigate this sets the tone for future transitions. So it's important to get it right. Talk with your co-parent about those transitions now before you encounter them. Uh, What are your expectations? What are you willing to give up? Then write it down, just like a divorce decree. This is your transition decree. I like that. Okay, bright futures Family. Speaking of families, we're a family. And that's all for today's episode. Parents, here's your homework for this week. When tensions are high, talk through your fears and emotions. Help your student understand where they're they're coming from and where you're coming from. That's really important. Keep the focus on your teenager when you're talking about college. Remind all parties involved, it is your student that's at the center of this. I'll include your homework and some resources for you to check out in our show notes at brightfuturesllc.com slash show notes. Talk to you next time. Thanks for joining us this time on Self-Accepted, guiding families through college admissions and big transitions. Created by your college counseling experts at Bright Futures Consulting. You can find more resources or schedule a complimentary consultation with a Bright Futures expert today on the Bright Futures Consulting website. That address is brightfuturesllc.com slash consultation hyphen podcast. If you like this month's podcast episode, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher so you'll never miss an episode. You're officially one step closer to helping your student accomplish their college dreams. Their future will thank you.